All right. Uh, we're going to continue in our series today uh, called You Asked For It. And uh, all these messages in the series have been requested by, by you guys. And so uh, we've spent a couple weeks on the topic of singleness, as there are a few questions around that. And this week's topic has to do with uh, recovering from betrayal. And specifically was mentioned that question, betrayal in terms of divorce. And, um, but there's all kinds of betrayal that we can face. And so how, does, uh, how do kingdom people uh, work that out in our lives when we, have faced, when we have faced betrayal? And betrayal can be incredibly devastating. In fact, uh, when it's severe betrayal, it, it, can, be, um, it can cause actually trauma uh, within us, uh, depending on what kind of betrayal you have faced. Uh, but betrayal is difficult because in relationship is that when we get uh, a former relationship with somebody, and the closer that relationship is, the more we just assume there's gonna be safety. And the more we assume that there's gonna be trust. And the more we become vulnerable with that person. And betrayal happens when that safety and trust and vulnerability is broken. When all of a sudden you find out that person that you thought was trustworthy is not. When you find out that person that you thought was safe is actually not a safe person. Or when that person leaves or abandons you, um, it, this is called betrayal. And again, it can be lots of forms of betrayal. It can be small betrayal in terms of maybe you tell a friend of yours something in confidence and they take that piece of information and they go gossip, they tell other people, and other people know about something that was supposed to be private and they've betrayed your, your trust. Uh, it can be greater levels in terms of, I mean, maybe you, you find out your spouse is addicted to pornography and you had no idea, and you find out that it's been, it's very ingrained, and, and it's a huge struggle, and you feel betrayed. Uh, it can be, you know, a mom or a dad or a, a spouse just saying, you know, I'm out of here. I'm done. I can't handle this anymore, and they just, they just leave you or uh, your family, and they just abandon you. And maybe um, uh, you pick up your husband's cell phone, maybe, and you find out as you read some of his texts that he's been having an affair. Um, in fact, uh, this is what Janice said after she picked up her husband's cell phone and uh, found out that her husband had been having an affair for a number of months. She says, I felt like someone hit me in the head with an axe. I had to lie down on the bed because I felt like the floor was about to drop out below me. Everything I believed to be true was suddenly called into question. And this is really at the heart of betrayal, that everything you believed about this person and about your relationship, all of a sudden, uh, it's, it's just, it's craziness. It's, it's gone. It's, it's not there. Uh, and so you feel betrayed. And of course, you can have all kinds of feelings that run through you when you're betrayed. You can uh, feel very unsafe. Because if this person that you thought was safe is not safe, then is anybody safe? And you can feel very exposed and unsafe in this world uh, of course, you're going to feel anger um, because you've been broken and you've been hurt and you can be very angry with this person. At times, you can feel stupid in terms of, uh, why didn't I realize it er earlier? Or sometimes people find out that, that other people knew before you knew, that your friends or your family members knew about what was going on and you found out at a later time. And, you, and you're just like, how in the world didn't I see this? Uh, you may feel stupid, maybe even leading up to this because... Uh, you were suspicious about things, uh, but, but that person kept twisting it and saying, well, you're just, you're just seeing things, or you're the crazy one, or actually it's your fault, it's not my fault, and, 
and you just kind of feel stupid that you didn't know uh, earlier. Or there may be waves of shame. You know, maybe if I just would have done this differently, or maybe if I just had more sex, or would have, you know, been home more, not worked as much, or whatever it might be, there can be these waves of shame, thinking that maybe if you did something differently, it would have worked out differently. Uh, you can feel out of control in terms of can't stop crying. Uh, you just can't handle life. You just want to run away. You want to hide. You, you may wonder at times, does pain ever go away because it's been months and you're still, you still have this tremendous pain going on? And then there can be pain from others. Because at times you might run into some, you know, sort of uh, black and white religious folk who kind of think they're better than you and, and they look down on you when you begin to share your story. It, it may be that because of what happened that some of the people you trusted uh, take the other person's side and you feel betrayed even more so. And then at times you can be actually triggered years later. You hear that song comes on the radio or... Uh, uh, on YouTube or you drive by that hotel or there's a certain tone in someone's voice and again you're, you're triggered by this this whole event and so uh, that's not a good place to be and so we're going to talk about recovering from betrayal and, uh, and and there's a lot to this I mean we could probably do a message on each of these pieces and I would just encourage you right off the bat if this is something that you're really really struggling with to uh, to connect with a therapist or connect with me or some members of our, our prayer team who can help you walk through this. Sometimes if it's more severe, you, you can't do this on your own. Uh, but what, uh, here's a few things, a few things that may be helpful. And the first one is to realize that you're not alone. And sometimes when you've been betrayed, you might feel alone. That nobody understands and, and, and this is my particular story and, and I'm the only one who this has ever happened to. Uh, but the reality is this is a common story. Uh, that a lot of people in this world experience betrayal. I mean, you can just look at statistics. I mean, divorce rate in Canada is around 40%, and a lot of times through divorce, um, one of those partners may, may, be, may feel betrayed. Uh, 30 or to 40% of unmarried relationships and 18 to 20% of marriages experience at least one incident of sexual infidelity in today's world. And of course, there are going to be a lot of feelings of betrayal in in situations like that. And of course we could add all the other things, but, but you're not alone. There are a number of people in this church who've experienced deep betrayal. Maybe their story might be a little different than yours, uh, but you're not alone in this. And you're not alone even when it comes to, to, uh, to God, the one whom we get all our life from and we lean to. Uh, even God himself knows what it's like to be betrayed. Of course we know of Judas who is known as the betrayer who actually betrayed Jesus with a kiss and affection and after Jesus poured into his life for three years and washed his feet and gave him every chance to, 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 to repent and to turn back and he still betrays Jesus and betrays him to the extent that it ended up that Jesus ended up on the cross being killed because of his betrayer. Uh, he, he knows what this is like. Uh, there are stories of, of, of how God talks about being betrayed um, throughout the scripture because one of the whole stories of God is God continually trying to love his people, trying to draw us into himself, and there are times when we as his people betray God. We turn our back on God. And in Ezekiel, there's this whole allegory, pretty much the whole of uh, chapter 23, uh, is this allegory God tells of, of how he's been betrayed by his people. And he says, the older girl was named Ahola. And her sister was a holobah. God said, I married them. 
and they bore me sons and daughters. And I'm speaking of Samaria and Jerusalem. For Aholah is a Samaria and Aholabah is Jerusalem. Then Aholah lusted after other lovers instead of me. She gave her love to the Assyrian officers. They were all attracted, attractive young men, captains and commanders dressed in handsome blue, charioteers driving their horses. And so she prostituted herself with the most desirable men of Assyria, worshiping their idols. Yet even though Aholabah saw what had happened to Aholah, uh, her sister, she followed right in her footsteps, and she was even more depraved, abandoned herself to lust and prostitution, for, uh, prostitution, and the story of how these people that God was loving and caring for betrayed him. And so we know that when we come to God, and we're, speaking, we're not speaking about a God who doesn't understand, we're speaking about a God who knows what it's like to be betrayed. And so as part of this, we need to make sure that we are, we're leaning on God for strength through this. Uh, I mean, Jesus always has this invitation. His hands are always out to us saying, you know, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Uh, this life can really beat us up at times. And he's got these hands that are open saying, come to me. I know what this is like. And not only do I know what it's like, but I can actually help you. I have the strength to carry you through. And so we see the Bible talking about how, how God is this God of comfort. That God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. It's this, this incredible supernatural comfort that, that we can experience in this world, even though that everything seems to be falling apart. I mean, uh, Paul described it as a peace that surpasses understanding, where you can be going through turmoil, and yet there's this strange kind of peace going on, and you're like, this is, this is really weird. I just, I just feel held through this. Even though those tears flowing through my eyes, and this is the most horrible thing ever, I, I just feel held. And this is what God does. The psalmist described it this way. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I mean, when everything else in this world maybe just feels like it's falling apart, and, and God is a firm place to stand. And you can trust him, you can lean in, uh, into him, he is your source of life, and you just lean and you hold on to him uh, through this, this rough period in, in your life. And of course, God is faithful. In 2 Timothy 2, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And again, when you're betrayed, you may just like, not know who you can trust. I mean, you might feel unsafe with everybody, but you can feel safe with God. Because even when everybody else is unfaithful, God is faithful. Even when you're unfaithful, God is faithful. And so lean into to God as a source of comfort. And number three, uh, you don't want to bottle up your feelings. Um, and sometimes we're tempted to, sometimes Christians are tempted to, because sometimes some of those feelings just seem unkingdom. <laughs> And they're flowing, they got bad words forming in the back of our head, or whatever it might be, and we, we just bottle them up. And, but whenever you really try to bottle up your feelings and push down some feelings, they will tend to pop up in other places. And often they will pop up in other places in your life, and usually it'll be not good. Uh, we need to learn to be vulnerable with our feelings, to express our feelings. And this is not an unchristian thing, because we have a whole book called the Book of Psalms that really is a model for this. The Psalms are collections of writings and songs and poems written by God's people. 
as they've celebrated things, but also have struggled through the most difficult things in life. And what you see in the Psalms is, is raw emotion. These people expressing frustration and anger and, and God, where are you? And, and all kinds of things. And here, here's just some examples that we find from God's people that we find in the Bible as models of being able to express our feelings to God through journaling, through writing poems or whatever it might be, because this is what God's people did in the Psalms. In Psalm 38, we see the writer saying, I'm overwhelmed, swamped, and submerged beneath the heavy burden of my guilt. It clings to me and won't let me go. Or deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. Or see Psalm 22. It says, uh, why do you remain distant? He's talking to God. Why do you remain distant? Refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night. I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Of course, Jesus quoted this on the cross. Uh, there will be times sometimes that we're just we're like, God, where in the world are you? And it's good to be able to express that and to express that to God and to write that down and just to let some of these, these emotions out. And this is what we see in, in the Psalms. And we see things, some of these times, these emotions really aren't like nice little Christian thoughts. Uh, Psalm 10, <laughs> this psalmist is ticked. Uh, he says, break the arms of these wicked, evil people. Go after them until the last one is destroyed. Or Psalm 137. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Oh, there's a nice little Christian thought for today. <laughs> but this is an example of someone who is super frustrated. This, this, this psalm was written after uh, some of the Israelites experienced the Babylonians come in and and kill a lot of their own children, and uh, rip open pregnant mother, mothers, and, and he is so angry and frustrated that he's just writing this down as, as, a, as a prayer or a song to God, and he's just angry. And so we see in the Psalms these people just uh, uh, releasing some of their emotions. And the neat thing is, is, is often in these Psalms, they start with frustration, God, where are you? God, I'm angry, but in the end, they're like, God, I just find comfort in your presence. In the end, they said, God, you are the answer. And this is part of the process of working through some of our feelings, is they bring us back often to God. In fact, there's a psalm about betrayal. In Psalm 55, it says, I was betrayed by my friend, though I lived in peace with him. While he was stretching out his hand of friendship, he was secretly breaking every promise he had ever made. And maybe some of you experienced this, where this person says, I love you, and, and I'm there for you, and I'm telling you the truth, and I'm a safe person, but at the same time, they're, they're totally living a different life. But this is what happened to this psalmist. And so we see this writer talking about betrayal, but we see him venting what's going on in his heart. He says, my heart is trembling inside my chest as the terror of death seizes me. Fear and dread overwhelm me. I shudder before the horror I face. I say to myself, if I could only fly away from all of this, and he goes on, he says, so here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and measureless grace will strengthen you. And you often see this is the, 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 
the, the, the order of these psalms. They start in frustration. They talk about an issue. There's anger. They're venting what's going on in their heart. And as the, the, the presence of God comes in as they write, and they end up saying, God, my hope is found in you. I'm just going to rest at your feet. And so I would encourage you uh, to, to spend time journaling. And don't hide the stuff you're feeling. To get it out, to write it. Uh, God already knows what's going on. Sometimes it's helpful to even maybe even write a letter to your betrayer. You don't have to send it to him, but just to express how you're feeling. Because this helps you and invites God uh, into your presence. The worst thing is just to pretend you're okay when you're really not. And God often works when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to others and to God. And so uh, to not bottle up your, your feelings. And then you want to reach out to others and learn to trust again. Because when someone is betrayed, often... It's easy to run into to funky math. And funky math works like this. Uh, one untrustworthy person equals infinite untrustworthy people. And initially, this is how often someone will feel. Because again, you thought this person was safe. You thought maybe this person was the most safe person in the world, the most trustworthy person in the world. And all of a sudden, you just realized it was a complete lie. So if this person can end up like that, well, who in the world can I trust? Is there anybody who is safe out there? And so the lie of the enemy comes in and says, well, everybody's like that. You can't trust anybody. You just got to live life on your own. You got to isolate yourself. I mean, you got to protect yourself from other people because all people are horrible, rotten, and bad. And you end up in this funky math when the reality, true math, says one untrustworthy person equals one untrustworthy person. Doesn't mean everyone's like that. There are untrustworthy people in this world, but there are a lot of good people in this world. Nobody's perfect, but there's a lot of people who are trustworthy and a lot of people who are safe and a lot of people uh, that are like that. And so to push yourself towards true math rather than, than funky math. Uh, Freud said this. Um, he said, we are never so defenseless against suffering as when we love. And the idea is that when, when you love, uh, you really open yourself up to suffering, or at least the potential to suffering. Because when you love, you open up your heart, you expose your heart, you become vulnerable. And if that person breaks trust or breaks safety, it creates tremendous pain. So whenever you love, you're opening yourself up to pain. Uh, so when we're hurt, sometimes we, we say, well, I'm just never going to love again. I'm not going to trust anybody again. Nobody's safe. It's just going to be me, myself, and I, and that's how I'm going to do life. I'm going to protect myself. But in the end, that'll actually lead to more pain. Because the reality is we were designed for relationship, and we were designed to love other people. I mean, we know this, this is the mission we've been sent on, the mission that we talk about a lot. I mean, uh, Jesus said in John 13 that we are to love one another. As Jesus loved us, so we must love one another. Or Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And love is always expressed to other people. And so if you end up in the place saying, I just need to protect myself, I'm not going to trust or find anybody out there, I'm going to isolate myself, you are isolating yourself from the very thing that gives you meaning, from the very thing that is to be the driving force in your life, which is to love other people. And so there's risk. When you love, you risk getting hurt, but when you don't love, you, you risk missing out on mission, and you, you lift out, uh, miss out on, on what you've actually called to be. And in the end, the pain of the risk of being broken in love is worth pushing through to find those people who are trustworthy. And so if you run into those people who are unsafe, keep looking, keep praying, uh, keep searching for those people that you can get around 
because we need each other. Uh, we need community. We need people around us. Uh, we only grow when we have people around us because I don't have all the right ideas. You don't have all the right ideas, but together we have better ideas. I mean, we need people. And so to not isolate yourself, to reach out and to, to learn to trust, to trust again. Uh, number five, uh, you want to release any feelings of shame over to God and trust in his forgiveness. Again, uh, there can be feelings of shame when you're betrayed. That maybe if I did more or did this or had been there or something like that. Uh, but in that, you want to really, really make sure that you are not taking stuff upon yourself that you don't need to own. Because a lot of times when you're betrayed, you will begin to own stuff that really was the other person's fault. Uh, their sin is their sin. That's not on you. That's on, that's on them. Don't own stuff that, that's not of you. But like in any relationship, there, there are things that we don't do perfectly. And if there are any feelings of shame or guilt, or I would, that, that needs to be dealt with. Jesus wants you to live free. He wants you to live forgiven. He doesn't want you walking in shame and guilt. And, and so this needs to be dealt with before God. In fact, at the end of July, we're going to talk about this more so because there's another question dealing with some of the regret and shame around being divorced. And, and so this will probably end up being a bigger message. Uh, but Colossians 2 says, You are dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in your relationship, you may have in your mind this record of things you made mistakes on, this record of I just did better there, then, then maybe this would have worked out, but Jesus has taken that record, and he's forgiven you. And it's a matter of us of coming before God and saying, God, you know, I just turn from this sin. God, would you forgive me? And you just want to believe the promise that he forgives. Satan will want you to believe that God won't forgive you. Maybe there's a little voice inside of you that God won't forgive you. But God is the one who has ultimate authority. And he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's a promise. And you've got to believe that. And as soon as that shame begins to pop up, you just say, no, I believe the promise of God I'm forgiven. And I'm going to live free. I'm going to believe the promise that I'm forgiven, and I'm going to live free. And so to release any shame uh, over to God. And then number six, and this is going to be the hardest part, but it's an important piece. And that is you want to work towards forgiving your betrayer. You're going to work towards forgiving your betrayer. Now, what is forgiveness? It is this. Forgiveness is the setting of one's will and the making of a decision to release an offending person or situation. When we forgive, we choose to set them free. By choosing to forgive, we also set ourselves free. We don't hold resentment or bitterness. We let go of our plans for retaliation. We let go of feelings like they owe us something. And this may take some time to work towards if it's been a very difficult betrayal. Uh, but there's something you want to work towards because God wants you to be free. And you can't be free if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. And so it's something you may have to, have to work towards. And what you're working towards is not just a superficial forgiveness. Like, yeah, I forgave them, but deep down you're still angry. And I find a lot of Christians superficially forgive. You know, I forgave.
forgave that person. But really, they still talk down about the person. They're so angry and they're bitter. And it's like, I can't wait for something bad to happen to them. Because a lot of times, <laughs> we forgive kind of in a religious way. We forgive with our head. You know, I forgive so I'm okay with God. But, but Jesus said, forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You actually for, you forgive them from your heart. The very core of your being kind of forgiveness where you're actually really releasing that person over to God. This is different than just kind of a superficial kind of religious kind of forgiveness. This is a heart forgiveness. Now you know you haven't forgiven someone from the heart if you still kind of secretly desire to see that person hurt or miserable. Uh, you want that person to get what they deserve. You, know, you might say, I'd be happy if something bad were to happen to them. Or, or deep down, you just you want to get even with them. It shows that, that perhaps there's still a little bit of work to do and forgiving from the heart. Uh, here's a couple things that uh, forgiveness does not uh, mean or do. Uh, forgiveness does not depend on the response of the other person. That person is never going to say sorry. Sometimes that person thinks that what they did was okay. And if you wait for them to say, I'm sorry, you may end up waiting your whole life and you may continue to walk your whole life in chains. Your freedom does not depend on the response of the other person. Your freedom is going to depend on how you work with God through this process in your own heart. Romans 12 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If they're not willing to forgive you, we as kingdom people don't respond, well, I'm not going to forgive you. No, we respond by what you're doing is not good, but I'm going to respond with love, and I'm going to respond in, in a Jesus-like manner. And so if, if they don't forgive you, then you still work towards forgiving them. Uh, forgiveness does not mean you need to trust this person either. And sometimes uh, Christians will think, well, if I forgive that person, that means i got to pretend like everything's okay, and i got to totally trust them again. No, that would be very stupid sometimes. And as the proverb says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. To forgive them doesn't mean you've got to trust them. Trust is going to be built over time, and trust is built with consistency. And if that's not there, then uh, probably not a good idea to trust them. In fact, Jesus, it says in John 2, didn't trust them. There are people Jesus didn't trust because he knew they weren't trustworthy. So forgiveness does not mean that you have to trust this person. Uh, when you're, uh, you are forgiving, you are not saying what they did is okay. And you are trusting them to God's justice. Again, when you forgive that person, you're not saying that what they did was okay. Because what they did perhaps was totally wrong and evil and, and not good. But what you are doing is you are trusting them to God. No longer are you going to be judge over them. No longer are you going to be prosecutor and, and uh, torturer anymore. You're going to hand them over to God. That's what Romans 12 says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Or 1 Corinthians 4, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. And so it's not the appointed time yet, so don't judge. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness, and he will expose the motives of the heart. So when we forgive, we're not saying it's okay. We're not saying we have to trust that person. But we're taking that situation and we're handing it over to God. And we're saying, God, I leave this in your hands so I can walk free. I'm leaving this in your hands so I can walk, I can walk free.
And so uh, another point of forgiveness is you want to allow God's love and grace to be your motivation. Because it can be hard to find the motivation to do this if you've really been hurt. It can be really hard. Uh, but allow God's love and grace to be your motivation. And the Bible talks a lot about this. In Colossians 3, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Or Ephesians 4, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And so the idea is God has poured out so much grace upon us that as kingdom people will respond with the same towards, towards others. Jesus on the cross, again, his example. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross. These guys have just hung him on the cross. They're torturing him. Uh, they're mocking him. And yet Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And so that's the example we follow in. Uh, Jesus forgiving the most heinous crime, uh, the, the Son of God... Uh, God himself, this universe, being crucified, and he is saying, forgive them. And so we as well, in turn, we look at those who have hurt us, and we, we ask for, for forgiveness. Now I'm going to just, um, I'm going to invite Daniel up, actually, to play. I'm going to just take us through a simple pro process of forgiveness uh, um, to work through this. Now, uh, you may not want to pick something that's really severe in this moment, might be too heavy for this time because we're going to move through this quickly. But maybe you just want to pick somebody that you're just kind of frustrated with, somebody that um, that you're maybe bitter about, and we're going to work through a process of forgiveness. If you feel you're ready to work through something more deep, then you're welcome to pick that. Um, but maybe you just want to take a moment to close your eyes. You don't have to, but it's going to be easier if you do. take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there is anyone towards whom you are holding offense or bitterness. Is there a family member, someone at work, a church, school, a friend? Is there someone you need to forgive? Just allow God to lay that name on your heart. Focus on the forgiveness that Jesus has given you. Take a moment to remember some of your darkest, your, some of your most ugly sins. And then remember how all that shame, guilt, punishment, and condemnation has been completely removed through the cross. So take a moment to remember some of the biggest mistakes you've made, some of the most secret things, some of the most ugly things. And remember how Jesus has just cleansed you and set you free from that all. And maybe even at this moment that there are sins that you've never confessed. And maybe the first time you just want to confess some of those sins and allow the forgiveness and the promise of forgiveness to cover you this morning.
Now take a moment before God and ask God to forgive you for not forgiving this person. Just to get that out of the way. Ask God to forgive you for not forgiving this person. Now you want to receive the promise that is true and you are forgiven and just seal that in your heart that you're forgiven. to acknowledge what you're about to forgive. And it's the step that a lot of people miss is that they don't count the cost. Because there is a cost when you forgive because you're taking all of that offense and you're giving it back over to God. So take a moment just to be refreshed on some of that hurt, some of that pain, some of the ugliness of what that person did to you because this is the cost of what you're about to forgive. You're going to hand that all over. And if you can only do a little bit at this time, just take a little bit, but, but count the cost of what you're going to forgive from your heart. I just want to say to God that you forgive this person. And you may just want to say some sort of prayer like you release all of this ugliness. You may want to name some of the things that they did to you by name. I release abandonment over to you. I forgive it. I release angry words over to you. I forgive it. Whatever it might be, just start releasing that over to God in forgiveness. Is there anything else that I'm missing that I need to, to forgive? Is there anything else I'm missing? listen to what the Spirit wants to say to you personally. When that painful event or events happened, just ask Jesus, Jesus, where were you when this happened to me? And Jesus, what do you want to say to me right now?
this incident a lie about yourself or about God? Is there some lie that you started to believe about yourself or about God as a result of that, that incident? If there's a lie, just repent of that lie and give that back over to God. A lie that you're not good, you weren't lovable, you weren't there, that God wasn't there, whatever it might be, just hand those lies over to God. ask if there's anything you want to say to us about our betrayer. God, is there anything you want to say to us about our offender? Is there anything you want to say to us about that person we just forgave? God, we ask us there. How's your promise working out in this? You, you promise that you work evil for good, that you work good out of horrible situations. God, what, what good have you been working about in my life because of this, this betrayal, because of this, this thing that happened in my life? God, what good are you working out? Lastly, if you're able, as Connie mentioned, as Jesus taught, that we are to love our enemies and pray for those and bless those who persecute us and do good to them. And so just take a moment to pray a prayer of blessing over that person, if you're able, just to pray a prayer of goodness and blessing over that person. completely. God, we thank you for how you've set us free. God, I thank you how you've taken any darkness in our heart and you've washed it clean. You've taken our sin as far away from us as the east is the west. And we believe that promise of forgiveness. And God, we thank you for giving us the courage to forgive Help us to continue to walk down that path. And God, I just pray over anyone in this room who has something really hard that they need to work towards forgiving. God, I pray that you would be helping them work through that process. God, that you'd be pushing them towards that process. God, that you'd be leading them towards that process. And God, I pray for strength and beauty over that. 
God, I pray for those who are in this room who are experiencing pain because of betrayal. God, would you journey so close to those people right now? God, would you give them an extra sense of your love and your presence as they recover from this? God, I pray you would just be ultra amazing to them this time. God, we thank you for your work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.